Great news, folks. Michael Zuber, One Rental at a Time. I just want to let you know that we have finally released our second book, 15 Conversations with Real Estate Millionaires. This book was written with you in mind. I wanted to capture 15 unique stories of different investors starting at different stages and doing different things. This book is just that. It's nearly 300 pages of motivation, of confirmation, and reminders that yes, you too can do this thing. Check it out on Amazon, and of course, have a great day. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, folks. Michael Zuber, one rinse a light at a time, back with this most wonderful, most excellent, most awesome guest, Anna Kelly. Hi, Anna. Hi, it's always so good to be here. Yes. Ho, ho, ho. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> yes, it's, it's December 1st. I'm wearing the hat. It is hot. I may take it off for the third interview, but we'll see. we shall see. So, Anna, I thought you and I should, uh, should talk about what I call Fed speak. Uh, you and I were first introduced to this by the man, the myth, the le legend, Alan Greenspan, who I think perfected it. And the reason I want to do this is because Jerome Powell came out on Monday and said this, and then Jerome Powell came out on Tuesday and said that. But if you actually parse his vocabulary, he said the same thing, but the market wigged out 180 degrees different. So uh, yes. what, what do you think about that? Yes, I, I love that term, Fed speak. You know, ba basically... Um, they don't know exactly what's happening. They don't know exactly where it's going. So they don't know exactly how they'll react. So they don't want to say anything that gives people certainty one way or the other that could make markets flip out. So they just try to kind of, you know, say, well, we think, for example, inflation is transitory. <laughs> well, how many people use the word transitory? Right? Yeah, I had to look it up. <laughs> exactly. how, how transitory is it? How much will it change and how long will it be? basically temporarily, but moving, right? Um, and those things confuse people, but I think that they have to kind of use fuzzy language. And ultimately we have to understand that the Fed only has a couple of tools in their toolbox. Mm -hmm. And the only real question is, what do they do with putting money into the system or backing off? And what do they do to interest rates um, yeah. in the system? And those are the two things that they don't want to be clear about because there's so much uncertainty, in my opinion. No, absolutely. So uh, I actually have looked up Greenspan quotes. And the reason I picked Greenspan, folks, is, is Anna and I both came up. We first, he, the, he is the first Fed president that we kind of got to learn. And oh, by the way, we were, you know, if you're a newer investor and Powell is your first Fed, believe me, we made the same mistake. We got all over the map. And here's a great Greenspan quote. This, this, this is, you know, Google, my favorite search engine. <laughs> Uh, I guess I should warn you, if I turn out to be particularly clear, you probably misunderstood me. <laughs> That's the perfect quote for this episode. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you think you know, if you think you know what I meant, I, I you misunderstood. It's like, what? <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, it's, it's so funny. But again, and so let's put this in context. So Monday. Powell comes out, right? So Monday, the virus, this new virus came out. I think it hit the news. Well, Friday, Friday half day market was down a thousand points or whatever it was. Then the, then the, was it Friday? I guess it was Friday. Then the weekend comes, learn a little bit more. Powell comes out Monday morning, Eastern time, and says, "Hey, this new thing could cause consumer behavior to change. It could back off demand. It could slow the economy. We may have to delay taper and, or we may have to slow taper and." Um, slow rate rise, basically. Yes. 
Then on Tuesday, he comes out in front of the banking committee and says, you know what? Uh, inflation is not transitory. We're dropping that word. Inflation uh, should come down next year, but it is possible it actually accelerates. And we may, oh, and this is what he said. And at the next Fed meeting, we are going to talk about accelerating the taper and people wigged out the other way. Right. Here's the deal. I've been watching Fed speak for now 20 some odd years. How many of you don't think they would have talked about accelerating taper on Monday as well? It's a topic. They have certainly will talk about it. He's saying it's going to be a topic of conversation. Not that they will do it or won't do it. We have to, you really have to watch the vocabulary used and appreciate what's going on. It's just a, it's just a wonderful example of it being all over the board. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I think the other thing is, one of the things that we, we have to realize is that there is a lot of uncertainty, not just in the consumer that we talked about in the last episode, but there's a lot of uncertainty in the Fed itself as to where are, where is this thing going? You know, how much is all of this spending and all of this economic stimulus that we put in impacting the consumer and impacting demand? And with inflation happening, where will the consumer go? Um, and will we have to cool it or will it cool itself? Yes. And they really don't know because we're in unprecedented times, right? It doesn't look like anything in the past. And so I think the Fed's job is to say, you know, some inflation is normal because of what we're dealing with, right? And, and it may not be here to stay. How long will it be? And how do we make sure we're not too, we're not waiting too long to react to cool it, right? Because if they wait too long, you know, things could go crazy. Inflation is just going to get out of control, right? Yeah. Um, if, they, if they act too soon, you could have, you know, the opposite effect. So they're trying to time when do when does the when does the inflation start to kind of cool demand in and of itself mm -hmm. versus when do we have to raise rates to do it and they don't know the answer to that so they're no, still yeah. talking about it they're trying to figure out you know with whatever complex models they have when do we raise rates if we do how much and what kind of effect would that have mm -hmm. you know not just on the consumer but also on the government paying back their own debt which and, is a big piece of it that people don't talk about. Absolutely. So one more, one more quote from Mr. Greenspan that again, just to highlight that we've, we, you and I have been listening to Fed speak for 20 some years. Fear is far more dominant force in human behavior than euphoria. Mm. Right. I talk about greed and yes. fear all the time. That's this kind of the, the matrix for me. I think actually his words, fear and euphoria are much better. I may change it to euphoria. Nah, I'll use greed. Uh, but anyways, the whole idea is, Fear is, is if that grabs hold, it, 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 it can impact much faster. I think that's what uh, Greenspan was saying. Yeah. And, and obviously, I mean, Omicron was an example of that. Oh, great. Here we Again. go. Yeah. Uh, are there going to be more lockdowns? Are people going to get sicker? How bad is it going to be? Um, what does that do to the economy? And, and you know, obviously, Wall Street was afraid. Now, today, it's kind of bouncing back a little bit, right? What's interesting is, this is just kind of an aside, but to that point is the greed usually rears its head above the fear. The fear is like really quick, and then they go, okay, what would we do? What would change things? And then they go, eh, we don't want the market to crash. Our money's, we're losing our money. It'll be okay. And then they just <laughs> pump it right back up, usually within a couple of days. So most market crashes don't, you know, market corrections, not a crash crash, but most right. downturns 
it's like you have a couple of days of major fear on Wall Street. And what happens a couple of days later? It, it goes back. It's like, it just shows how, um, how transitory <laughs> fear in the market is. Yeah. Well, let's also not forget you and I have seen since certainly since we've been adults and studying uh, economics is uh, what's called the Fed put. You and I have seen probably three or four, maybe five examples where fear really took over. And at some point, the Fed cried uncle and just put in a floor. And that's been known as the Fed put. Don't don't bet against the Fed. All of those things. I don't know. I, I just think the Fed has put themselves in a corner where they, there's got to be some pain felt, right? Asset price has gone up too fast. All including multifamily and I mean it's just it just like I've never seen cap rates in my market of Fresno, California. It's usually a seven, six five seven six five on the best seven seven and a half. I saw stuff trade at four, Anna. Oh yeah. Wow. All over. Yes. That can't. That can't last. At least I don't think it can. Yeah. It's it's really interesting. Um, you know, part of the issue with multifamily is when there is fear and there's uncertainty about what's coming mm -hmm. and how bad the markets might get and how how bad inflation might get. Really, multifamily becomes an inflation hedge yes. and a preservation of capital play. And so, if they can, you know, if someone can pay cash an institution and make yeah. three or four percent on their money, they're like, it's fine. I'm beating, in, I'm well, hopefully beating inflation because they've also got a mortgage. Sometimes, you know, yeah. if they have a mortgage, it's even better hedge against inflation, but they're willing to take a really low return mm -hmm. because of the uncertainty in the market, right? And so that's that's why that's happening. So cap rates could actually stay low if there's still a lot of uncertainty in the market and, in, and, and inflation continues to go up. Mm -hmm. But at some point, something's got to give, like you said, and, and people cry uncle. And then if the economy gets worse, then cap rates will start to go up a little bit. Values will start to fall a little bit in terms of the cap rate side, right? Yeah, of course. So there, there's just so much uncertainty and we know it's in the Fed. And one of the things that I think we have to, to think about and, and why they're being a little fuzzy, sometimes they're purposely fuzzy, right? Oh, I, think they're, I think they're always purposely fuzzy. That's my take <laughs> on it. They always want to say fancy words that mean nothing. They, they don't they don't want to spook the yes. market one way or another the because some people are going to be- tantrum. Yes. <laughs> Perfect word. Taper tantrum. So yeah, one way or another, some people are going to react. So mm -hmm. if they can keep us, try to keep the calm of the status quo, then they kind of calm the markets until they do what they need to. But one of the things that I think is really interesting this time that I think has them a little more nervous and certainly has me a little bit more nervous is that um, normally there's only two, two major tools in the tool belt, right? Mm -hmm. One is monetary policy, whether they're putting money in the, in the system mm -hmm. or taking it out. Mm -hmm. The second is the interest rates. And normally, historically, the Fed has been a net lender, right? Okay. So they're not borrowing a ton. So if they're the net lender, they can raise rates to slow the economy without it impacting the government itself too significantly. Right. right now, they they own trill they they have trillions of dollars in debt. I think yep. it's six or seven trillion dollars, something like number. that. Yeah. Right, um, a Fed debt, and so if they raise rates, they're now going to be paying hundreds of millions of dollars more in interest on Fed money. So it's going to cost the Fed, which trickles down to more taxes, right? Um, mm -hmm. Because we have to pay for it. So if they raise rates they're paying a lot more money on their own debt. And so there's this fine balancing act that they have to play right now that I don't think they've had to play historically. I may be wrong because I haven't studied it that detailed, mm -hmm. but where they need to raise rates to cool the economy, 
but they can't raise them too high or too quickly without mm-hmm. it hurting the economy because of their own debt and the interest they have to pay. So, yeah, you know, yeah. whether they raise rates, I still think they have to. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to be as aggressive as I thought maybe a couple of weeks ago, but I still think they're going to have to raise rates a few times, you know, to get us where we need to be. Yeah, I think that's I think that's right. I think I think they have to raise rates to to, to at least at the margins show they're doing something, but I do think they're upper bound. Right? There's at some yeah. level where if rates got to, it, it's it just becomes dangerous the other way. And it's funny, I saw this third Alan Greenspan quote that I wasn't going to read, but I'll read it now because we went there. The United States can always pay its debt because we print the money. Oh, that makes me feel good, Greenspan. <laughs> oh, great. You know, it, yeah. Yeah, so- but, but then who pays for it? Again, you know, who pays for it? The American yeah. consumer with our tax dollars. You Taxes know? are, inf- you either inflate out of it or you tax out of it, or both. I mean, it's right, right. That that is a uh, that quote right there sends shivers down my back because that is Weimar Republic or whatever you know Venezuela or whatever it is. That that's that's a road you don't want to go down. If we're not collecting right. enough revenue, which is taxes, let's be clear, mm-hmm. if service our debt, that's a problem. If we are yeah. printing money to pay the interest, bad, 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 bad. Yes, yes, and major economists are. Um, they're at a different place on how to fix this, right? So they don't want to say, we don't know how to fix this. We <laughs> don't know. You know I'd love speak. To see, what's your model? How do you model this? And, and I asked a, a former Fed employee that I know in, in the multifamily space, what are the models that they actually use to say, if we do this to rates, here's what it does to our debts and the taxation, and here's what it does to inflation. And, you know, he didn't know, right? No, or, I think they, I think they get in a, a tent and they just like they let the the peace pipe smoke and they just look at I don't know. I, right. I, I I think sometimes we give them a little bit more credit than they deserve. Like the fancy models, the PhDs. I'm like, you guys are throwing darts at a board. You have no idea. Well, right, right. And so so the muddy the muddy speak, right? Uh, what did you call it? The Fed, Fed speak. Fed speak. It, yeah. It's really um, they they can't show that they're uncertain. They have to show an air of certainty. We've got this. We'll figure it out. Um, and I think that that's why so much is is very muddy. Um, but just know, guys, you know there there's uncertainty ahead, and we yeah. just have to we have to understand the tools and be prepared for you know the worst and and mitigate it as best we can. Yeah, what I would tell folks is this is your first go around with Powell being your Fed president. Realize when he comes out and they, in some news channel, CNBC, Bloomberg, CNBC, MSNBC, MS, they, they chop up his quotes. Remember that first Greenspan quote. If you understand what I'm saying, I'm, you must be confused or something like that. So don't, make, don't, don't, get, don't get freaked out over a quote here or there because he'll change his mind tomorrow. So Anna, how can people find you? Love it. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram at Anna, R-E-I, Mom, Kelly. And my website is reimom.com. Thank you very much.